Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. You are listening to Voice of Aroha. We are coming with a new episode, another great guest we have here in the studio today. I will now shortly um, introduce him and as well, well, talking more about the amazing Mahi that is doing and to know this special guest. Before that, I would also say thank you to our uh, sound engineering, Hamid, who is behind the scenes and doing all the magic of this episode. So I'm sure you will guys love the songs that he will put in this episodes. Here we go. So I have in the studio a very special guest. His name is Matthew. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Kia ora. Kia ora, Kodrian, and, and kia ora, listeners. Kia ora, Matthew. Thank you so much for coming here. Here, So, Matthew, uh, I know you personally. I know you, how amazing you are. So we are here having a corridor about some important mahi you are doing. Before we go to that one, let's talk about to the, our listeners and audience who are listening today. Uh who are you, Matthew? If you can introduce yourself to our audience, what would be Ko Tokumaru Tawaka, ko Taranaki Tumonga, ko Te Atiawa Te Iwi, ko Pipitia Te Marai, ko Te Matahau Te Hapu, ko Matthew Rarity Toku Ingoa, no Johnsonville Wellington Ahau. Kadrian, I'm, I'm Matthew Rarity, and uh, I'm, I'm a born and bred um, Wellingtonian, and uh, and as I said in that uh, that me, I fuck a papa to the Tiatiawa tribe, specifically in the Wellington area. Um, my tupuna, my ancestors, um, uh, had land uh, at Pipitia Pa, uh, which is of course down in Thorndon. Mm. Um, and that's the pa that was there before the current day marae. So, uh, yeah, there I'm talking about um, around the late 1830s when Te Atiao had, had migrated down into the region and become probably one of the, the larger iwi around the harbour. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's where I'm from. Um, and I live in Johnsonville. I've, I've lived in Wellington my whole life. I went to school in Wellington. Uh, I went to university at Victoria University. I've pretty much worked my entire life in Wellington. Uh, and uh, when I say worked in Wellington, yeah, had a bit of a, a you know, a, a, had a lucky um, 
background, I guess, in, in many ways. And, uh, you know, I've been a travel agent for several years. Um, then I sort of sidestepped mm-hmm. into relationship management, uh, worked for, uh, actually worked for an airline for a couple of years, uh, for Emirates Airline. And then I worked for um, Victoria University as the alumni manager there. And while I was working in that role, I worked alongside fundraisers. And I mm. thought, wow, that looks really interesting. Um, so I ended up uh, probably for the last 12 or so years at least, probably longer now, uh, working as a fundraiser. So mm. first of all with um, the Plunkett Society, uh, then with WWF, um, Conservation Organisation. Uh, and then I worked for a social service um, mm which was uh, Wesley Community Action. After Wesley, I then went and worked for an organisation that handed out grants. So that's the local community foundation, NECO Foundation. Mm. And um, my most recent role that I'm doing at the moment is uh, I'm self-employed contractor contracting to Wellington College Foundation, doing fundraising for that high school, my old school. Mm. Uh, so that's sort of where, you know, my 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 history and in, mm. in terms of work. But mm. um yeah, you sort of alluded to to one of the things that I'm sort of passionately pursuing yes. at the moment. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and that is uh, uh, I'm standing for mm. Wellington City Council mm-hmm. in the new Māori ward, yeah. uh, Te Whanganui Atara. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which that's exciting with you. It is exciting. And and so regarding that you brought that subject up I'm really, uh, just to mention that, you mentioned that you worked all of the history and one of them is uh, Emirates Airlines, right? Hmm. So just to know that that was my waka to coming to New Zealand. Oh, fantastic. So I from that, you know, <laughs> when I'm trying to introduce my waka, that's the waka I come through here. So that's, you see, we have something in common. You walk into some mm. area, you have been like uh, knowing about these wakas and how they come here. So, Matthew, I'm really interesting and really exciting to understand more and audience as well to see a little bit about your passion and about your new journey that you are standing for the city council. Like, uh, the question is always people ask, like, why you are standing? What's mm. your passion to, to, to be in city council? Yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it, it probably came as a surprise to me to put myself forward to stand for political office uh, for for local government. It's not something that I usually would do. So being a fundraiser, I like to work mm. in the background. I like to... Um, fundraising, a lot of it's about telling stories um, and telling other people's stories. And I like to be behind the background doing that, that mahi, uh, that work and, and, you know, telling other people's stories, really. But um, I sort of look at the, the social service that I work for, Wesley Community Action. So that's the Methodist mission mm. uh, for Wellington. So there we're working. And, and what led me to that job, I was watching John Campbell um, on Campbell Live. Used to be a TV program, 7 o'clock at night. And his people were opening fridge doors in low-income houses. And all that was in the fridge was you know, half a bottle of milk, half a loaf of bread and a bit of butter. And they would say, when are you getting your next grocery shopping? You know, they'd mm. be beneficiaries. And the 
people would say probably in a couple of days we can afford to buy more food. And I looked at it and I thought, that's, you know, I, I think that is wrong. So I wanted to make a difference. So I thought the next role after WWF mm-hmm. will be that I would like to I would like to fundraise to change lives in that space, to put food on people's tables. Or that's what I thought. Mm. So I went and worked for this amazing organisation called Wesley Community Action, and I learnt so much there. And amazing people to work with, with amazing co-papa. So an amazing um, way of looking mm. at how you can help people, and that is community-led development. So rather than telling people what they can do to improve their lives at Wesley, they put focus on empowering people to make change in their own lives. Yeah. So that's what sort of, you know, it was an amazing journey that I went on working Mm. there for a couple of years and I met amazing people and it really helped. And the next job I went to, which was at Nico Foundation. Mm. At Nico Foundation, as I said, we're giving grants out to organisations like Wesley, uh, like the City Mission, Downtown Community um, but also arts organisations, um, people like Predator Free and that sort of thing. So that role really put me in touch with a big cross-section of Wellington people because it was basically the Wellington Greater Wellington Foundation. So I met so many amazing people doing such amazing work for, you know, on the... Um, mm-hmm. for very little money and making do and struggling to to keep their organisations going. Mm-hmm. And it became about storytelling and for them again. And when I say storytelling for them, of course the best thing to do is the authentic voice of the person in the middle of the story. Yeah. So what I would do is try to create space for that person to tell their story. Now not everyone, of course, is, is you know, um, proficient at telling their own yeah. story. Um, so if they couldn't do it in their own voice, then I might write it, uh, write a story for them, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But as I said, it put me in this amazing cross-section of society in Wellington, and I learned so much and I met so many people and I came to understand different um, different to organisations and the work they do. Mm-hmm. And from that, that's driven me to think, actually, I can give back to Wellington as a city councillor. You know, I now mm. have a chest uh, full of um, stories and interactions, connections, mm. and I understand amazing, diverse, um, you yeah. know, people and organisations yeah. So mm. I thought maybe I can, as a city councillor, maybe I can go back and, mm. and create opportunities for other people's voices to be heard. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful to hear, like how how you approach to 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 take this step while having this kind of uh, living or working with those organisations to find out the gaps, the needs, and how how the society function, how it works, and and I'm sure that that helped to this step and you're looking for the bigger vision how to can contribute much more to what you already have done within those organizations. So my question is to you, where people have asked, if you get into the city council, what will be like a three priority 
if not more. <laughs> mm. Just making it three, like to give you chance, or maybe uh, one. Yeah, it is tricky <laughs> because there are so many things that mm. that I've um, on my journey, both historically over the last few years and recently. You know, there's so many things that I would like to work mm. in and address. <clears throat> so picking three, um, you know, first of all, I'm a Labour endorsed candidate. Mm. I'm running uh, for the Labour Party. Uh, to be on Wellington City Council. And with that comes, you know, some core values. Mm. Uh, For example, um, housing. I want to see more housing in Wellington. I want to see affordable housing in Wellington, secure housing in Wellington, uh, and safe housing in Wellington. So when I say Mm -hmm. secure, you know, I want to see people being able to live in a house for a long period without the fear of having to go to the next house, having to move um, for reasons beyond Mm. their control. Uh, And when I say safe housing, you know, there's the housing stock in New Zealand, as we people probably know, is not great. So we have cold, mouldy, drafty homes. Mm -hmm. And that's impacting our health and of of our people. Mm. Uh, And we can see that through some of the the issues they raise, like rheumatic fever, um, uh, asthma, mm-hmm. you know, they're just a couple of those big things that are flow-on effects from having poor housing. So uh, as a Labour mm-hmm. city councillor, that will be one of the um, the main PO that we will be looking at. Uh, mm-hmm. Others, um, of course, uh, we want to fix, well, I want to f- um, be involved in fixing the pipes. So, you know, fixing the infrastructure that has sadly been uh, deteriorating over the years. And and I think we all know through issues with uh, pipes breaking, um, sewage flowing in our streets, uh, also stormwater um, flowing into the harbour and polluting the harbour, and also, uh, as we've seen recently, through mm. heavy rainfall, um, yeah. slips and that sort of thing, blocking roads and access. Um, so fixing the pipes is yeah. one way of, of rounding that up. Uh, other issues, I would specifically, I'm standing in a in the Māori ward, mm-hmm. which is a brand new ward. It's never been contested before. It's, it's never existed before. I would like to apply a Māori view over practically every council issue, every issue that's put before council. Mm. Uh, so uh, there's a, I'll explain, you know, being te awa, yeah. um, I have a connection to, uh, you know, the local people. So mm. we are mana whenua. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are one of the iwi uh, recognised as mana whenua. And with mm. that comes a, a sort of um, understanding of history, uh, but also an economic base. So Tiatiawa and Taranaki Wanui, the broader um, mm. broader body, owns you know, well over $200 million in assets, and a lot of that is in property. Mm. Uh, so at the council table, I have a, an understanding of that history, uh, which can assist the councillors who don't have that knowledge of mana whenua, <laughs> Um, and don't have that knowledge of the history, uh, I can put things in a, in a certain perspective 
Um, and that's important because mm. the council is committing more and more money every year to their relationship with mana whenua and with tangata whenua. Uh, and that's important for all Māori in Wellington because, uh, you know, it needs to be, needs good governance for that money that's going mm. to, to, uh, to be spent. And it actually works wider than um, the mana whenua. You know, into the other Māori will be affected who live here in Wellington. And beyond that, of course, everyone who lives in Wellington is also affected by the, the money that is being spent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are, there are significant plans over the next two year, 10 years. Mm. Uh, so that needs good governance, good oversight of how it's being spent and who is involved in the decision-making and at the moment, I've seen that the involvement is, is a little loose. People don't understand who should be involved, who should be consulted. Um, people are missed off. It creates issues. Um, you know, it's, it, it could upset different people. And, and yeah. you know, it really helps to understand who are the central people that need to be at the discussions. Mm-hmm. That's very important what you mentioned. And uh, so that will come to my next questions about, in your view, you also mentioned a little bit about this history side. How much is important to have uh, people of the land or people of Mano Fenua who standing in the city council to be with the city council? Like how much that it's important to you and how much will also bring to the voice in the council, despite what you mentioned about the history and assets, how much that can contribute for the other issues like a housing you mentioned, like a pipeline. Mm. So if you can tell us more like about the knowledge and importance of being from Maori people to standing with the city council. In your view, what, what do you think is important? Yeah, this is a this is a really important uh, election for Maori because mm. of that guaranteed um, city council, that guaranteed place at the table. If we look back at 182 years of uh, since the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi, there and also sorry, 151 mm. years, uh, sorry, 152 years of the Wellington City Council being um, in existence. Mm. Over that time, there has only been six Māori on council. Wow. And there are two at the moment who are there. Mm. And there is, uh, of course, Paul Eagle, who's running for mayor and mm. has been a councillor. Uh, he's looking to come back. Mm. So if you look at there being only six Māori on council in that entire time, and three of them are fairly recent, uh, you know, you get a perspective of how little yeah. voice Māori have had in um even though, as I say, there's over $200 million of assets, uh, you know, sort of owned by Iwi and Wellington. Mm. Um, there's also been only one Te Atiawa, uh councillor in that entire time. So, you mm. know, I, I look at it as doing, again, giving back to my Iwi uh, mm. and to my people and, and putting myself forward, um, doing something that's way outside anything I've ever done, but I felt it's so important that my people have the opportunity to be represented 
Um, so that's a reason why I've come forward. Mm. Now, talking about why that's also important in the context of the city, there are so many stories that people don't understand. Mm. Uh, for example, in 1841, and here I'm referencing uh, a Dr. Annie Tioni, uh, a Te um, academic who... Uh, put out her PhD thesis in how the Municipal Council in 1841 applied a tax to uh, basically to drive Māori off the city, out of the city. Mm. So they put a tax on all houses that were made out of sort of indigenous um, flax and indigenous woods. And it was £30, which as you could imagine was quite a lot of money in those days. Yeah. And also they brought in a tax of £100 if you were building a new whare or house or dwelling out of those materials. This was mm. quite clearly a, a way of alienating the local iwi from their land. And mm. what happened was people at Tiaro, Kumutoto, and Pepitia, all the, all the sort of Wellington CBD... Uh, pa and Marae, they basically were, uh, you know, um, forced off the, that land and, and relocating mostly to uh, the lower hut area. Um, so, you know, this was a, a you know, History. what appears yeah. to be a land grab. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one story, uh, you know, and, and it, if you um, look at all the the way that the city was back then, which of course was so much different, but all the hills were cultivated, a lot of it. My own tūpuna who lived at Pipitia Pa, he cultivated kumara in the grounds of parliament. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I saw the protests at the beginning of the year, I was saddened because my ancestors' mm -hmm. gardens were being, yeah. you know, basically... Um, yeah, I don't, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We'll leave it there. That's right. <laughs> it was sad. No, this didn't. And wow, what, what, what a great and privileged dad. We have, we have, like someone you do, you're standing. This is something, it's really, yeah. you know why? Because, um, like you mentioned, despite this history, 150 something years, it's only six being in the city council, which is if someone like me, who come on their backgrounds, cultures, newly to the Wellington, it will be very sad because what you have shared is also being ancestor to my regions of Middle East or Mesopotamia. It is sad to see that these things is ongoing, even if we are in 2022, that we don't have the real representations of those people who have been there for the 100 years. I believe if we had a more Maori sense of beginning of the signing that treaty in the city council, we could solve a lot of issues from housing and climate change, depending on the uh, the, the, the knowledge that they bring from uh, mm -hmm. how the ancestors have dealt with those issues. Because this issue is not new. It's already very exist, but there was a knowledge and a way how to approach it and how they were doing it in the society. So there is really good career you have contributed here about telling us and the audience how much is important and how much... Um, that as everyone, not only Maori, they need to support these kind of candidates who stand and put their voice there because mm. that's the right way to make the real diversity on the council. 
And on that point, how much is important for you to see a diversity in a city council of Wellington and how much you see our city, Wellington, are we real diverse or still need kind of more time to call ourselves diverse city? We're doing better, of course, uh, but what you're saying is so important. It's so important that we have diverse voices, diverse voices and diverse ideas diversity at the table. As you know, there are a couple of Labour uh, candidates mm. for council as well. Um, we have Nuruddin uh, out mm. in the Paikawakawa uh, southern ward, so towards Island Bay. Mm. And then we have Afnan uh, running, Afnan Alrubai, uh, who is running for the, Aro, the sorry, Pukihino mm-hmm. um, Aro ward. Uh, and they bring their their own background. I tell you what, I love working with them. I love being a candidate with them. We share ideas. Nuruddin is such a diplomat. He is <laughs> he's so, um, you know, he has a very lovely way of, of sometimes bringing our conversations, which can get heated over things that we, we aren't liking, uh, and he brings it all back down. And Afnan, she has this amazing way of saying the perfect thing at the right time with a few words. She's very wise. And, you know, Wellington, get out there and vote for those those candidates, all of us on the Labour ticket. <laughs> it's such a good little group of, of mm. diverse characters. And people have said to me, you know, this is Wellington. This mm. is the future of Wellington. That's how we look. Going back to Nico Foundation, you know, I was working, I worked with um, funding programs Mm. for uh, new immigrants. Uh, So I worked with English language partners um, and also uh, change makers. We did fund. Um, That's right. Yeah, it was really important to help people adjust and come into New Zealand. It's, you know, we can't just. bring people here and expect them to assimilate and, and, and get on. We've got to welcome people in and make sure that they can live well. And, they, and you know, mm-hmm. that means putting money behind programs, behind English language, um, you know, and, and also uh, making sure that people are, our new migrants are coming into the safe, warm housing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily happening. Uh, you know, some of the city council housing is, is better than others, but, mm. um, you know, we've got to look after our people. Yeah. Māori have long manakied, welcomed um, people coming in. Right. Te Atiawa particularly, mm. we're quite proud of the way that we welcome people to Pōniki, Te Whanganui, mm. Atara, and we want to do that still with our, our new migrant communities mm-hmm. as well. Um, they bring such amazing diversity, amazing new ideas. Uh, and I would encourage people to think about politics, to get involved. Uh, yeah, they might want, not want to stand for a public office, but uh, they should get involved with the issues, talk mm. to the candidates, come and talk to people like me. Yeah. You know, step out. I challenge people to step outside their communities and talk to other people in the city. I love it myself, and I've really appreciated being able to talk yeah. uh, to new migrants through the work that I've previously done. Yeah, 
beautifully said, Matthew. And and we are we are happy. Like I'm talking as is one of them, who was the new to the country from refugee background or migrant backgrounds, that we are having privilege to when we see ourselves surrounded with the people of the land or Manafinwa, such as yourself, because that gives us uh, too many aspects. One of them is the clause when we share together about the culture aspects. We see there's a lot of things in common. We see a lot of, of peace when you meet someone who is new the culture or we have things that we both care about the issues that we happened in the history of things. So that is really empowering when we put communities in together. And everyone, you know, Aotearoa is a, it's a place that always been known in a kind of like a, a beautiful place that we can all, there's a place for everyone to live in. But that, when saying that, it should be done with the right uh, approach, which is the right approach having mm. people of the land in the center and the heart of of doing the decisions, which is starting from the city council, from the government, and all of the other boards and areas. So I'm, I'm really glad and privileged to knowing you, Matthew, in personal level, and as well, Likewise. the things you are doing in the community, the... the all the other other mahi uh, already done. That's something it gives us a uh, confidence when mm. we see these people that there's uh, people who sit on those boards who make decisions. They do understand where we come from. Because mm. sometimes you know the different community who apply for something or who request something, there's a two way to respond. One way is about what the book says about rules and follow. The second way is about the culture, the understanding, the deep, and thus. Mm. It will be very few people to understand if they are not that people of the who already know them deeply in issues. Which one of them you who really understand and growing up in Wellington, growing up in a area where it's back to your ancestors, the history that all bring a lot to us, and we need to empower that and need to see it happen. So mm. I'm, I'm I'm really loving maybe the chat with you. But the time is running. What we will do here, I would love to ask you two more questions, then another one give you a chance to say something for the world. Sure. The one question you mentioned is about the Labour Party. You mentioned about some core value, but why Labour Party? Yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah, this could be a long, long Answer. discussion. <laughs> yeah. I'll try and keep it brief. Um, I've always been uh, probably aligned to Labour values. My father was a Labour Party member for many years when I was a little boy. Um, you know, that probably... I, I just think the people around Labour get what's right and what's wrong. And if you can get up every day and look in the mirror and say, I think what I'm doing is right, as opposed to the wrong, I think you're doing okay. So Labour seems to align with my values. It hasn't always. There was a time where I walked away from the Labour Party over decisions they made, mm. but I've now come turned uh, full circle, I would say, and I've come back to the Labour Party. And the reason being, yeah, I like what Jacinda Ardern does, and I like what the Labour Māori caucus has been doing for my people. Mm. But I also see what they're doing for the greater value of all mm. New Zealanders. Yeah. And their values align with mine. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I've come back to Labour. <laughs> that's a beautiful answer. Four more questions I want to ask, which is maybe need a longer answer, but let me see how you will answer this one. You mentioned about the housing, right? And is it, is it a problem? 
it is a problem. So the question is how we will solve it. We do have the problem, but let's say uh, you get to the council, what will be kind of, you will try to push, solve some gaps so we can overcome with this issue of housing. What's mm. your thoughts on that? Yeah, my dad came to Wellington from Rotorua and mm. he met my mum here, who was a, a, a local woman. That's my Te Atiawa connection. And together they were able to buy a house and raise a family. And I don't think that is such a realistic uh, goal for a lot of people. We need to create a, a pathway for people to be able to see themselves owning their own home and creating the stability around that. Mm. And if not owning, maybe you can rent and create the stability around it. But the way that the housing market has moved over the last 10 years is, has been, it, it does not facilitate that. If you're renting and I've rented and, you know, you don't know if you're, uh, if you're going to be able to stay in that house for more than hmm. a year or two years without the prices going up, without other you know factors being involved. So how do we solve these issues and the issues of like poor housing in terms of the, yes. the um, quality and the, right. the draftiness and the mould uh, is to build, build a lot more housing new, I think. It's not the only, only way of solving it. Um, there are many what they term levers, you know, there are many things that we need to do to mm. make housing affordable. Uh, we need to look at, you know, building up, in the, especially in the central city. Mm. Uh, we need to also look at uh, changing the zoning so that we can build new houses and, and what they call densifying the housing. Uh, so putting more, you know, basically knocking down a few houses and then building a lot mm. more on that same space. Yeah. Um, you know, those are some of the levers that we can use to try and make this affordable housing. Uh-huh. There are a lot, you know, um, yeah. the government's trying and, and it needs to be done. It's not yeah. a simple solution. But yeah. uh, as a, as a councillor, I think I would, I would be uh, pushing for more housing in, within the existing city environment, and that includes the outer suburbs, especially along the corridors where future transport will move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much. Mm-hmm. I will. One more question. I think before we yeah. go to the last one, it's about that's really beautiful what you said. Is would you, if you be a councillor, would you support that to think about changing how we built? Now it could be, and also making the structures or the permissions of building easier, so people can build or the governments can start building more housing, would you support any kind of decision if it's come to the council? Yeah, I guess there's always that concern. Uh, you know, if probably a couple of decades ago where, where New Zealand relaxed the, the rules around building and that created problems with what we call leaky homes and things. There needs to be standards, uh, but we mm-hmm. do need to make it um, easier to build the right good quality ho- housing Mm. Uh, and we need to entice people who the developers who can build those those houses. Uh, if we look at the quality building that's going up in Auckland, for example, um, you know we're talking there about minimum three story, really lovely housing, mm. 
Um, they can be small apartments inside. Um, yeah, they're not for everyone. A lot of people want to have a lawn. They want to have a, their own house. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the rules that we're looking at that I want to see changed mm-hmm. in zoning, uh, that will not necessarily um, stop people from doing that. There will always be different uh, types of housing. The yeah. standalone housing and the densified, larger, taller uh, housing, yeah. converted um, office buildings in the central city. It's just about putting more choice in there for more people to, particularly to live closer to the mm-hmm. city, closer to where things are. Um, yeah. yeah, enabling people to have that choice. That's great. And I love that, having more choices for the people to do that. That's awesome. So we're coming to the end of this um, episodes but uh, before we end it i would love to give you like a minute or something what's your message for the people and who are going to the vote so the mic is for you i'm matthew rarity i'm standing for council on a labor and as a labor endorsed candidate with that comes a whole series of of a whole copapa that people understand they understand what i'm standing for which is Uh, densified housing, uh, affordable housing, uh, more housing stock. Talks about, you know, I'm I'm there to support the city being a place for people to live and to work and to enjoy themselves. Let's bring the people back into the city, but we've got to make the city the right place and the right environment for them to live. Uh, You know, bring a, a unique perspective as mana whenua across a, a range of issues and I really look forward to being at the table and creating space for more people and for their voices. It's not my voice that I really want to hear. Mm. I want to create the space for other voices to come through. In particular, I would like to see more diversity on people who speak at council meetings because they bring different values and different uh, ideas. Right. Thank you so much, Matthew. Kia ora. Kia ora to you, and we are really a privilege to an honor for us to have you in our platform. Thank you for coming, and wish you all the best and good luck for the coming election in October. Thank you, thank, thank you. And uh, audience, thank you for listening. Like uh, we had a wonderful corridor. Have you guys now uh, note about the importance that you go to vote in October? And we are neutral here, but we will have more candidates also coming on the platform. And just stay tuned. Before the elections, we will publish more episodes. It was just a great talking to such a passionate and amazing person like Matthew who are standing in the city council. So wish him all the best and all the luck. And for you, audience, keep in touch in our social media to look at what is coming next. And for now, we'll tell you ciao and kakite. Breakout.
That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.